Hello once again, and welcome back to this seance of sound that we call Scry. I'm the Seer, your host into this oral journey into the Obsidian Mirror. And in this episode, I bring to you two tales of true terror that focus on an oral phenomenon all their own. I am talking, of course, about EVP, the supposed voices of the deceased and other entities that are picked up by electronic devices, unheard at the moment by mortal ears. In many of the conversations that I have had with listeners, I am often asked if I have had any paranormal experiences of my own, and in this episode, I will share one of those experiences with you. But first, let's listen to PJF, who writes of his encounter with something that stalked his place of employment. Here is his tale. Back about 1998 or so, I was working in a print shop. It had once been an industrial machine shop that was built in the 50s and had only ever done government contract work. The place was huge. No windows, all 440 volt three-phase power, just massive in every regard. It had deep dark corners that no one ever went into, rooms upon rooms, Big, old, dusty, full of half-finished projects that would never be completed for contracts long since forgotten. It was a pretty cool place if you liked old giant industrial locations. In all, it was a neat place to work. There would, on occasion, be some strange occurrences there overnight. Stuff disappearing or moving around, but it wasn't a big deal because we often ran two shifts, so we knew what went on during the opposite shift. I got to be friends with the woman who worked there, who confided in me that she believed the building was haunted. I kind of laughed it off, but she was so adamant. There was a certain room in the building that she absolutely refused to enter under any circumstances. It was a room that we did bookbinding in, and it was kind of a weird place. But really, only weird because it had plastic sheets hanging everywhere, and it stank of the glue that we used to bind certain types of books together. She claimed to have seen a woman standing in there, in a very antique, like 1800s era, ankle-length dress. The woman had blood-red eyes and stood only a foot away from my friend, grinning a huge, wide grin, staring straight into her eyes. <laughs> After that supposed sighting, this woman absolutely refused to ever set foot in the room again. She came to me one day and asked me to help her with something. She claimed that she had, in the past, had some success using a voice-activated tape recorder 
to catch spirits saying things. This was my first introduction to EVP. She wanted to know if I would be willing to place her tape recorder in the supposedly haunted room for her. I told her that I thought she was full of shit, but sure, I would put that thing in there if she wanted me to. So one night, at the end of second shift, I put the tape recorder in the room. She stood outside the room and said something to the effect of, If there are any spirits that want to talk to us, please do so. We then both clocked out and took off. I probably forgot about it because I thought she was kind of nuts. I came in for the next shift and retrieved her tape recorder and dropped it off to her. The counter on it showed it had run a little bit since I dropped it off. I figured it was just the first shift noises, which was kind of odd since no bookbinding had taken place, but what do I know? Shortly after I dropped it off to her, my phone rang on the desk in my office. It was the woman with the tape recorder. She was hysterical, crying, and ranting and raving about what an asshole I was and wanting to know why I would do something so awful. I managed to calm her down, and finally, she said, please come down here and listen to what this tape recorder captured. I kind of cringed, wishing I hadn't gotten involved, but I walked down to the back of the building to hear what had her so upset. Before I go on, I will say that we had put a brand new tape in the recorder. Nothing had ever been on it before. The batteries in the voice-activated recorder were fresh, and no one but us knew we were doing this stupid experiment. She rewound the tape and pressed play. There were a whole bunch of common noises on there. A church close by whose bell sounded every hour. The furnace starting and stopping. An air compressor in the shop running when the pressure got low and it had to kick on. The sound of a siren passing the shop in the middle of the night. Just the normal shit you would hear in a closed up building in the middle of the night. And then it happened. The tape recorder had started running, even though no sound was being made. After about five seconds of silence, the most horrid, wet, gurgling breathing started. And it started right beside the recorder. All the other sounds captured were obviously off in the distance. The breathing sounded like it happened six inches from the microphone. It sounded labored, like someone had a throat full of phlegm or blood or who knows what. Then things got worse. The breathing turned to a deep, guttural, evil chuckling long, wet-rolling laughs that went on for about 15 seconds. Then silence. Then, back to the normal sounds of the empty shop, the furnace, 
the church bell, etc. I looked at her, and my face was probably as white as hers. She told me that looking at my face, she was now convinced I didn't do it. And looking at her, I was 100% positive she didn't do it. I asked her if I could take it home for my wife to listen to. My wife made it less than 10 seconds into the wet breathing, and she told me to turn it off and get it out of the house and never do anything like that again. She had a good point. It really did sound like pure evil on that tape. I gave the woman at the shop the tape and recorder back, and she claimed to have burned the tape. I know at this point, a lot of folks will be saying she did it herself after I retrieved the tape recorder and dropped it off to her. The level of upset that she was displaying, the tears on her face, and her general demeanor told me this was no joke. Unless she just really wanted to fuck with me, then there was no way she made those noises. <laughs> to be honest, I can't imagine any woman being able to make the kind of noises that were on that tape. Since that time, I have often thought of trying to make another EVP, but I don't dare if the truth be told. So that is my creepy story. Take it for what you will. Telling it again has actually scared the shit out of me. To this day, I believe that tape recorder captured the sound of a demon from somewhere else that decided it was time to scare the shit out of the two of us. <laughs> PJF, thank you for sharing that experience with us. I wish that the tape with the breathing still existed. I would have loved to have played that on the show. If any of our listeners have any EVPs that they have captured, I would love to share them. Send them to scribepodcast at gmail.com and I'll happily play them on the show. And speaking of sharing EVPs, I have a few that I will be sharing in my personal experience. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to Scry. Instead of sharing another experience shared by our audience, I've opted to share a personal experience of mine and focusing this episode purely on EVP, which made up the centerpiece of our last story. EVPs will play an important part of this tale as well, but I am sure that you would rather hear this tale instead of hear me talk about it. Without further ado, and shared by yours truly. Here is our next encounter. This is a story that is not the easiest to tell, as there are elements to this tale that I was not aware of when they occurred. 
I realize that my method for telling this story may not be the best, but I've decided to tell it in a linear fashion, adding in those elements of which I was unaware when they would have occurred in this story. Growing up, my best friend in the world was Joshua. We were school-aged pals, high school friends, and even best men at each other's weddings. As life continued, we remained great friends, even when his career path would lead him and his wife out of state. My wife and I had moved as well, and after a few years, we would find ourselves relocated back to our hometown. After living here for a while, my friend and his wife came to town to visit his family and squeeze in a visit with us while they were in the area. Feeling nostalgic for the adventures of our youth, we managed to decide on a small, overnight tour of the Missouri State Penitentiary, which had now been closed for a few years, but had a long history of being haunted. It had housed the likes of Bell Starr, Pretty Boy Floyd, and Charles Hatcher. Sonny Liston learned to box while incarcerated here, and James Earl Ray escaped from this prison before assassinating Martin Luther King Jr. This prison was notoriously violent and was once famously called the bloodiest 47 acres in America by Time Magazine. It opened in 1836 and would remain in operation until 2004, having seen the deaths and executions of numerous prisoners many of which had led violent lives. The day that my friend had arrived in town was a Friday, and our overnight tour would be that same night. I mention this because I had donated blood at a blood drive at work that day, and the Red Cross had handed out those cheap rubber band style bracelets to everyone who donated. Normally, I wouldn't wear one of these, but on that day, I put it on just so that my boss couldn't hassle me about disappearing from the office for a bit, and I forgot about it for the rest of the day. This will become an important fact later in this tale. Anyway, my friend and his wife get in town, drop their stuff off at his parents' house, and after a nice dinner with his folks, they stop by our place and we get ready to head to the prison. We have two cameras, two small flashlights per person, a couple of EMF detectors, and I had a digital recorder as well. We made sure that all of these items had fresh batteries in them and were in perfect working order. When we arrived at the prison to meet our guide, I was relieved to learn that our group was going to be a small one, consisting of only my wife and I, Joshua and his wife, and two girls who were, I'm guessing, in their early 20s. Our guide went over a few basic rules about safety in the prison, as parts of the facility dated back to the early 1800s and were not in the best of shape. We were told not to shut any doors as, due to time, many of them no longer had keys, and it would take the fire department arriving with saws to cut us out of any rooms that we managed to lock ourselves in. Not to mention, a hefty bill for the damage to a historical landmark. Our first stop for the night was A-Hall, the oldest part of the prison. 
Our guide told us a brief history of the building and then took a seat at a folding chair near the main entrance and set us loose to roam the building and explore to our heart's content, seeking out the specters and ghouls that lingered in this building after death. We made a beeline for the subterranean dungeons that existed below the main building, which had been used for solitary confinement at one point, and other than some dripping of water, we were unsuccessful in making contact with the deceased in any way. It was here that we decided to cover more ground in this large building and split up, just like Scooby-Doo and the gang. My wife and I went up a few flights of stairs, crossed a catwalk in the dark, which was a pants-shitting experience in itself for someone who hates heights, and randomly picked a cell to sit inside of. There were two cots inside this cell, and we each picked a frame to sit on as the mattresses had been removed, thank God. I had my recorder running the entire time that we were in the prison, and my wife and I both noticed that this cell felt considerably cooler than other parts of A-Hall that we had been in that night. I asked aloud if anyone was there, and, well... I'll let you decide what you hear. The clips I have included in this tale have not been edited except for the volume level where we think there may be something. Is there anybody in here? Is there anybody in here? I don't know about you, but to my wife and I, that sounded like a yes. A yes that we didn't hear at the time. My wife has one of the EMF detectors that we had brought, and this thing is lighting up like a Christmas tree in a building that has no electricity running to it. We try getting some yes or no answers with the lights on the detector, but we don't have much luck. We do get a long, strong strike, and I offer whatever it is that we were talking to a cigarette if it will talk to us. The EMF detector twitches slightly, and we hear nothing. My recorder would pick up the following. Make that light move again and I'll leave you one. Make that light move again and I'll leave you one. Is that someone saying that they want to relax? Or am I just hearing things? Make that light move again and I'll leave you one. With what we perceive to be no real contact at all, we are unaware of anything on the recorder. We leave the cell, cross the catwalk again as I try to keep from crapping myself, and make our way down the stairs to the ground floor. We enter one of the cells and instantly feel uncomfortable, almost as if we were prey. We leave the cell and hear Joshua and his wife approach. His wife takes a photo of us and mutters out something like, Holy shit. Holy shit. We ask her what, and she shows us the picture that she took on the camera's screen. There's my wife and I, the cell behind us, with a dark form behind us, looking like a figure leaning out the cell door. 
the audio that had been recorded in that cell, I'll let you be the judge of. Now, my wife thinks that she hears a cough. But to me, I hear something else. I hear the words, Get out. What about you? As for that picture, well, I'll get back to that later. Anyways, we decide to do another quick walk around one of the upper levels. And as my wife and I pass a cell, I stop because I thought I heard something inside that cell. We check it out, but we don't hear anything or catch any vibes from the cell. It's just empty. Or maybe not. We walk to the end of the level, then turn and walk back. As we pass that same cell that I thought I heard something in just minutes ago, I stop because I think I heard something again. I haven't been able to tell what it is I'm hearing, but maybe you can tell. This was the one we walked past where I said I thought I heard somebody, wasn't it? This was the one we walked past where I said I thought I heard somebody, wasn't it? Shortly after this, we would meet back up with our guide by the main entrance and leave A-Hall, only to arrive at another part of the prison, Death Row. Once again, our guide gives us a brief history of the building and takes a seat near the door. We split up again and begin to walk the dark halls of Missouri's Death Row, with only flashlights and some basic electronics among us. The western half of this building is shaped in an outer hall that loops around and reconnects near the stairwell by the doorway. We take a lap around the first floor, and we don't experience anything. But as we near the end of our lap, the two girls who were part of our group came running from the eastern half of the building, freaked out a bit, believing that something had reached out to them. My wife and I headed to the section of the building that these young women had came from, hoping to catch some sort of encounter ourselves. But it seemed that we missed any activity, unaware that a joke I would make would pick up what my wife believes to be laughter very quietly in the background. <laughs> Is that what it sounds like when you get a guy in the shower? <laughs> Is that what it sounds like when you get a guy in the shower? We walked to the end of the hallway that we were in and decided to sit on the floor for a while and talking to each other and asking if there were any spirits around, asking them to let us know of their presence. The only response that we would get was a rhythmic, musical tapping that lasted only briefly. It would start right after I clicked on my flashlight. 
in that knocking board? Or you got a We wouldn't experience anything else while we were there. And as we regrouped with our guide at the door, my wife asked me about the Red Cross bracelet that I had mentioned at the beginning of my story. It was gone. These cheap rubber band style bracelets don't slip off easily, but somehow, this bracelet had come off of my wrist without me noticing it. I was a bit confused about it, but I didn't really pay it much mind yet. We met up with Joshua and his wife, and the two women, and we end our night at the gas chamber, where we grab a few photos and head back to our house, our adventure being over. Joshua's wife asks to use my computer, and pulls the SD card from her camera, and puts it in the slot on my laptop, searching for the picture of that dark form that we noticed in the picture from A-Hall. The form is still there and my buddy's wife adjusts the brightness on the picture. That dark form is no longer dark, and no longer just a form, but a man with dark hair, glasses, and a mustache that would make the 70s proud. He's dressed in a prison uniform similar to those in the Shawshank Redemption or Escape from Alcatraz. This was not a person from our group, and that cell had been empty when we were inside of it. That photo still gives me the chills when I think about it, but it would not be the only thing that would give me a vibe that I have never been able to shake. Joshua and his wife returned to his parents' house, and we called it a night. The next day, my wife goes to work for a while, and I head to the grocery store. When I return home, I begin hauling in groceries from the car. On my last trip to grab the last of our food, I noticed something red sticking between the door and the handle of the driver's side door of my car. I take a closer look and I pull the item free. It was that red cross bracelet. I know for a fact that it was not there when I went to the store. I couldn't have missed it getting into my car, and I was the only one home, so I know nobody else put it there. Well, nobody living. But I have wondered about whatever it is that followed us home from death row. And with that, it is once again time to banish back all things dark beyond the veil and conclude this episode. But before we go, I would like to read a few reviews left about this little labor of love of mine. Our first review comes from Unwanted Things and reads, The narrator brings a great feel to the stories, and the music and sound effects really bring out the creepy. This show is young, but I hope it sticks around. I'm hooked. Thank you, Unwanted Things, for the kind words. And speaking of kind words, Derelict88 writes, Audio storytelling lives and dies by production and the creativity of the subject matter and story. Scry excels at both. It narrates direct experience enhanced by creepy effects, 
score, etc. It's the perfect show to listen to during a thunderstorm or while burning the midnight oil. Give this a listen and subscribe now. Thank you, Derelict88. I'm glad that you are enjoying the show. Maiden in a Trance writes, The narrator brings goosebumps with every story he shares. Beautiful, eerie, and visual writing. The story makes you feel like you are truly there. Do you want Halloween all year round? This is how you get it. Thank you, Maiden in a Trance. I can't really take credit for the writing, however, as the stories I share are submitted and shared by others. And it is here that I should mention that if you have a story to share, you can submit it at scrypod.com, email us at scribepodcast at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 573-203-8668. You just may hear your experience on the show. Remember, all stories on Scry are reported to be true. If you don't have an experience to share, but still want to hear yourself on Scry, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or at Podchaser. If you need to continue your craving for spooky stories, then check out this episode's podcast recommendation, We Need to Talk About Ghosts. Hosted by the wonderful Kevin, you get to hear some great ghost stories presented with an addictive and humorous English accent. This podcast is one that I always look forward to and usually get a good laugh or 12 out of. So check out We Need to Talk About Ghosts. But for now, it's once again time to close the gate. And as always, say goodbye. This is Scry.